Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. We have a three-hour show on Sirius XM Patriot every every morning, 6 to 9 Eastern Time. Hope you can join us there. But we'll give you just a little bit, give you a segment and then a, a guest usually is the format. So this was one of the segments in the first hour of the show. We were talking about crime. But a, a, a new thing is happening, and it, it's happened a couple times now. So we're seeing a pattern, and it's very bizarre. Lots of lessons to learn here. And at the risk of dancing on graves, what do we do with this? What do we do? And is it, is it uh, casting pearls before swine? Should we change our approach, our methods, our direction? Because this changes the game, I believe. Here it is. Should we do a uh, palate cleanser? Let's do a little palate cleanser before we totally switch gears. This is Trump at a Cal- at the California Republican Party meeting last week. It was hilarious. He just did a stand-up routine for an hour and 40 minutes. An hour and 40 minutes? That's a movie. No, no one can speak for an hour and 40 minutes at all. And no one can be interesting for an hour and 40 minutes. There's no one anyone would sit and listen to for an hour and four is not and trump gets up there no problem does an hour and 40 minutes all right here's it don't want the water to come down all the way to los angeles and the central valley where we're constantly forced to ration you have droughts we're rich people in beverly hills we don't feel so sorry for them but i do actually you know they pay millions of dollars in taxes they're taking a shower they're told to hurry up you're only allowed a small amount of water when they take a shower that's why rich people from Beverly Hills, generally speaking, don't smell so good, you know. <laughs> Typically. You ever notice they're not great? Their hygiene is not good, but it's forced to be that way. So when you meet somebody with a beautiful house in Beverly Hills, you know that person is sort of disgusting under there. <laughs> but where you wash your hands and you're supposed to take no more than 30 seconds, they want a quick, quick hand. And yet they're paying millions and millions of dollars in taxes. Millions of dollars, these people. And, and whether it's rich people or people that are just paying a small amount of that, you're allowed to have water and you can have it for free. For free. You know, we have all those canals. They're dry. As- they're perfect. It's an hour and 40 minutes of stand-up. I've never seen him so funny. Truly. Okay, that's a palate cleanser. Let's move on to some crime stuff here. So did you hear the story in Florida? There's video of an 11-year-old. There's a bit of a melee uh, of, of kids and an 11 year old goes to his mom's car pulls out a gun and shoots a 13 year old should have put a point blank range shoots a 13 year old what what is that did you hear the story in new york city there was a i, I, I don't i don't i don't even mean this disparagingly I, I mean this is an accurate sentence i don't know how it's he was a left-wing activist who was with his girlfriend on a street late at night, and this crazy guy stabbed him, killed him. Now, this, this guy courageously stood between the murderer and his girlfriend. He did very good. It's all on video. He did good. But the guy killed him. 
And some people are saying, oh, oh, so mean to point out that he was a left-wing activist. You're dancing on his grave and you're scoring cheap political points. Well, I'm, I'm not saying he's an activist. Like, I'm, they're the ones pointing out that he was an activist. I think, what do you mean? I, and I, I can't make the observation that this guy, what do you mean? I, like, I'm not allowed to, I'm not dancing on his grave. I don't want him dead. They're, they're saying it. This is the Daily Mail. Uh, Brooklyn activist, Ryan, and goes through his name, would feel sorry for violent teenager who stabbed him to death and think of him as victim of a broken system, say his friends. So here's all these tweets from his friends. Uh, Our community is also reeling from the senseless murder of Ryan Carson, an absolute force in social justice and advocacy. Oh, I got another one here. I got more. Uh, our team was devastated to hear of Ryan Carson's passing today. Ryan was a dedicated environmental activist who worked tirelessly to protect our communities and ecosystems from the climate crisis. Okay, that's a climate thing. That's not as big of a deal. It's his, it's his uh, crime stance. For many of us, Ryan was a friend, mentor, ally. We're devastated by his murder. We send peace, love, and light to his family and his advocates in arms in higher education, harm reduction, and environmental justice. Harm reduction is the, that's the defund the police stuff. Uh, let's see. Do, do, do. I learned a lot from Ryan in a short time. Better off having known him. Let us dedicate ourselves to continuing his life's work. Cut short. Far too soon. Well, what kind of work? Harm reduction. Humane drug policy. This guy was clearly on drugs. To creating a more caring society for all of us. <laughs> all right. The guy murdered like a, a crazy guy who I bet has been arrested multiple times before, just murdered him. And all of his friends, all his fellow advocates, activists, are all, oh, let's continue in his legacy. Uh, further harm reduction and humane drug policy. What, do you, what, do you, what, what needs to happen to you guys? Personally, what would need to happen? I just got a, a text two days ago from a buddy of mine from college. I, 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 I was distracted when he kind of sent it. I, I, didn't, I haven't looked it up. I forgot to look more up into this. But uh, I didn't know him, but he, was, he graduated the same year from college. He was on the football team. Uh, we were on the swim team. He was on the football team. I didn't know him, but my buddy did. Uh, he just got murdered in Chattanooga by a guy. And I, I texted my friend. He told me the story. He's like, this is unbelievable. Like, what? And I said, oh, I bet the guy who did it has been arrested 10 times. And my buddy wrote back, 66 times. The guy who murdered this like, like wonderful member of the community, upstanding businessman of the Chattanooga community, was murdered by this total, like loser doesn't even get like just degenerate, nothing, like doesn't contribute squat to like, a, a force for destruction in our community, has been arrested 66 times. And even when they murder the guys who are advocates for uh, social justice and harm reduction, even when they, they murder those activists, those activists are still like, got to continue this life work. We must. Clearly, we need more harm reduction. So, listen, I don't know what you do with that. Because we used to say, conservatives would say, hey, wait till it comes for you. Okay, you can be for all this harm reduction stuff, but harm reduction, defund the police, whatever. But when they come for you and your family, you'll change your tune. No, they won't. They still won't. 
they can get murdered, stabbed, a long death, get stabbed, right? Stabbed, lying on the ground, bleeding, dying. And their last words are, if only we had more, continue my legacy of Harvard. I should say, wow. You don't think you'd have an epiphany at the, like at the last, or if your friend, your best friend died, your boyfriend died, your colleague died. You'd be like, hmm, maybe we should put this guy in jail. Maybe he should be in jail forever. Maybe he should have been in jail forever. This isn't the only time this happened. There was a journalist in Philadelphia who recently mocked the right for talking about crime. This is a tweet of his. He's like, oh, I'm, everything's fine here. You know, I hear about Philadelphia. such a dangerous place, and uh, everything's fine, and the trash got picked up yesterday, and uh, no big deal. He got murdered in his house in a home invasion. Someone murdered him. We told the story before of a white woman, again, defund the police, Black Lives Matter activist, who was uh, driving out of a bank parking lot and some people broke into her window and grabbed her purse. So she ran after them and they got into a different car and drove away and she was grabbing onto the purse and she held on and she got dragged and killed her. They killed her. And all of her friends, same thing. All of her friends and fellow activists are like, oh, it's terrible. They, but, 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 but she wouldn't have wanted them to be punished. She, she knows that they're, they're just victims of the system, the racist system. So we, we don't want any punishment for them. What? So they had a vigil. This is in San Francisco. They had a vigil. Maybe it was Portland or something. I think it was San Francisco. They had a vigil and another activist, girl, woman, was like, oh, I'm going to go to the vigil. The vigil is just a couple blocks from my house. So she walks out of her house and she gets attacked by two girls who curb stomp her, knock her to the ground and stomp on her face into the curb to steal her purse. Two girls. And still, they're like, oh, you know, if only, if only these, uh, if only we had a system. I, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do. So you just, you just can't. Like some people are totally, totally hopeless. And it's Okay. But you just don't need to waste your time throwing pearls to swine. I mean, right? I don't know. You, just, you don't need to waste your time trying to convince them. Like, no, literally nothing will. They can get murdered. Like, like imagine, like, imagine you're like, hey, you're talking to this activist. Like, hey, we should put that person in jail. No, we shouldn't. Uh, we should probably put him in jail. He's, he's committed uh, 48 crimes. No, no, we don't put him in jail. We can literally be having this conversation and that guy murders the person, like comes over and just stabs the person you're talking to. Well, now do you want him in jail? No, no. That's inhumane. He's just murdering you. As we speak, we're talking right now. He's stabbing you in the back, literally with a knife. Should we put him in jail now? No, no, we still, it's okay. Well, listen, I, I don't know what to do for you. So, and then we mentioned this and like, I'm the bad guy or something for celebrating his, I'm not celebrating his dad. I'm just, so what do we do? Well, it's very simple. And that's why I played that Trump speech from when he was in Anaheim last week because he, he, he gave the answer. <laughs> he said what to do. It's very easy. 
that's kind of been the theme of the yesterday's show and so far today. Oh, it's so complicated. It's so com- No, it's not. It's very, very easy. When things are complicated, you're making them too complicated. Cut it down. Right? Just what's the sword of Democles or whatever it is? Or the knot. The knot can't be untied. Oh, how do we untie the knot? You just take a knife and you cut it in half. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, just be. Things are not always that difficult. Strong men create good times. That's how it works. Here's Trump at the Republican convention in California. Oh, I can't believe You know, these people are killing people when they go into the stores. You'll have 300 young people who are not looking for a good future walk into a store, big department store, and just pillage it. And if you happen to be there when they're there, they'll knock the hell out of you and kill you in some cases. And we will immediately stop all of the pillaging and theft. Very simply, if you rob a store, you can fully expect to be shot as you are leaving that store. Now, people are always doing, he wants to shoot people. Listen, the idea is, for recent history, you would not rob stores because you would fear there were consequences. Now they know there's no consequences. So people are doing what's right in their own eyes. That's how that works, okay? So you need someone to step up and say, no, we're not, you're not allowed to do this anymore. They say, oh, Slater, that's so mean, that's so divisive, blah, blah, blah. This is Mayor Richard Daly, former mayor of Chicago, Uh, Let me get a year here. 1989 is when he became mayor. Here he is. I said to him very emphatically and very definitely that an order be issued immediately under his signature to shoot to kill any arsonist or anyone with a Molotov cocktail in their hand in Chicago to fire a building because they're potential murderers. And to issue a police order to shoot the main or cripple anyone looting any stores in our city. And above all, the crime of arson is to me the most hideous and worst crime of any and should be dealt with in this fashion. I was disappointed to know that every policeman out on the beat was supposed to use his own decision. And this decision evidently was his. In my opinion, he should have had instructions to shoot arsonists and to shoot looters. Okay, that wasn't that long ago. That was a Democrat. So you just got to crack down. It's got to stop. We talked to Bill O'Reilly yesterday about his new book, Killing the Witches, about the Salem witch trials. Salem witch trials are... We need to learn more about it. And because every time someone talks about the Salem witch trials, it's always, oh, those crazy Christians. Well, no, it's not about Christians. It's human nature. And it's about hysteria. Have you heard a lot of hysteria lately? Everyone can get caught up in hysteria. And really, it was led by a woman from Barbados. Tatuba was her name. So she brought all this witchcraft voodoo nonsense into this 12-year-old's head. Anyway, the point is, do you know how the witch trials ended? How did the Salem witch trials end? The governor of the colony. His wife was accused of being a witch. <laughs> so he said, all right, enough of this. We're done. It's over. <laughs> no more no more witch trials. And that was it. It's over. That was it. That was the end of it. It took a dose of sanity to end it. We could have that now. Sanity and courage. <laughs> Thank you.
Breitbart News Daily. We've talked a lot, obviously, on the show about the whole speakers race. So obviously, got to talk to Dr. Gorka about that. But then we also ask him about what we were just talking about in the last segment, the, those uh, those specific murders and what we are to do with that. Here's the great Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Dr. Gorka, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. How about you, Mike? Well, I'm, I'm a little, uh, I'm, I can't quite function, Dr. Gorka, the chaos, you know? <laughs> oh, the chaos. It's like, it's like those four days of chaos back in January. It is remarkable that the Republic survived those four days, don't you think? We, we were torn asunder, Dr. Gorka. We were torn. Demo- the fabric of democracy was torn, and we've never recovered. It and here we like, are with more know, the chaos. War, I had premonitions of the Civil War because if there'd been a fifth day of voting, I mean, would, would America have survived? I don't no, know, really, honestly. No, no. Actually, let me ask you this, Dr. Gorka, before we go on to this topic. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? <laughs> Since my son was a classics major, um, and <laughs> we like to sit down and have cigars quite regularly, and he's thinking about it probably the whole time. Um, I, a couple of times a day, at least. A couple of times a day. <laughs> By the way, hold on. I know your son has come up twice so far, but I feel like I know a lot about him. I feel like I, need, I know all I need to know about him. A crew... So, so a classics major did, rower at he, Stanford. I, I, I was, I was underselling him because I, I didn't want to brag. He's a joint major classics and pre med and a D one rower as well. <laughs> that is pretty cool. That is all very. It neat. is cool when, when, when you realize your son is smarter than you and he can give you lectures on empires that you didn't even know existed. Then I think you, 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 you say to yourself, "Yep, I've done my job." Yeah, it's like is... it's like the day I came home late one day when I was eighteen and my dad was waiting up. I was an only child. My dad always waited up for me, and uh, we were making a you know sandwich in the kitchen. And he looked at me. He's a big guy. He was on the national crew team as well. Big guy, strong guy. And he looked up at me because I'm 6'3", and he was six foot. And he said to me, taller, stronger, smarter, as it should be. That's when you realize, you know, if your father doesn't give you affirmation, you're doing things wrong. You know, your, your job is to make them better than you are. And at some point, you've got to recognize it, too. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Dr. Gorga, that, that may be one of my favorite stories I've ever heard. Do you, are you, that's a real story? You, you have well, it's, that? It's, it's a moment in my life. That, that is perhaps, you know, short of getting married and having our first child, the most important thing to ever happen to me. That is, I have goosebumps thinking about that because I, also, I have a, a similar memory and I, I pray that everyone does something like that. And I, 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 it breaks my heart that people don't. That is unbelievable. So yeah, do you remember? I, I've seen young you, men, you know, friends of my son who, who are amazing kids, smart, strong, confident, who struggle to this day because you know their father never, never, and I don't mean like, you know, new age snowflake BS affirmation, but, but you know, their father never said, yep, yep, you're a good man. And it is just once, you've got to hear that. By the, if, by the time you're 18, you've got to hear that from your father. It is one of the most important, because sons always, always are wondering, am I good enough for my dad? And you've got to tell your son at some point. I'm stealing that story, if you don't mind, Dr. Gorka. I'll give you credit for totally. it. Totally. Yeah, totally. But that's, that's amazing. You're right. Here, here's what I did. Here's what I did with my son. I don't know if I said this to you. So my, my son is 6'6", six, six, so he's bigger than I am, and he looks like a, you know, one of those you know, Greek, Greek statues by Mike, Michelangelo. From 14 to 18, we would uh, arm wrestle shirtless 
in the kitchen on his birthday. <laughs> and by the time he got to 18, we were stalemated for about 60 seconds, you know, when your, your arms are like, you know, shaking. And I said, okay, we're done. We, you know, I, you know, you, you, you've arrived, buddy. <laughs> I didn't let him win, but we stalemated. Oh, I love it. When he was 13, did you let him win or no? Um, not on the birthday. The birthday was serious. The okay, bir- that's the, right. The birthday arm wrestling, <laughs> where, when we were just mucking around, the rest of the, the, the birthday arm wrestles were a formality. We, yeah, we had to do properly. <laughs> oh, that's great. Because I, I think about that. My oldest is uh, he's seven next week. Uh, so I think about like the like the wow. balance of letting him win or not letting him win or we're having a running race. Like, what do I do? Do you, you know what I mean? Like, do you win yeah, so no, that encourages you to let him win? Of course, of course, yeah, yeah. But at a and, certain and, point, and one of the thing, one one last thing because we we I have this manhood hour every every um, Monday with great guests. We started with Jack Carr from the Terminal List. We've had yes. founders of Delta Force. We've had Victor Davis Hanson. Just amazing people. One of the things as I'm I'm you know grappling with this question of the assault on manhood and and what it means to be a man, what you have to have to teach your son is the following, one of the most important things, and this isn't random, it goes to what we're witnessing today across America and the crime wave and everything else. Violence, you've got to teach your son, one of the most important things you can teach your son is the appropriateness of violence, when it is appropriate and when it isn't appropriate. And that's why roughhousing is so incredibly important because you have to, you have to be able to be physical. A young man has to know what it means to be physical and when you use violence to protect the vulnerable and when it's inappropriate. I just want to share that with everybody listening. One of the most important things you can do for your your male trials is to teach them the line between appropriate and inappropriate violence and when it is utterly justified. Yeah, we've we've lost that nuance. So then we've taught kids never use violence, ever. There's never a time, there's never a moment to protect even. And therefore, we are or, weak. Or, or if you look at the, you know, you look at all the, the rampant crime, you look at the, the yeah. fatherless families, those young men who think violence is always appropriate. I can carjack you, I can yes. steal your phone, I can stab your boyfriend walking down the street in New York. You know, yeah. that, th- this, is, we, this is so crucial to civilization to know the line when it is appropriate and when it isn't appropriate. Yeah, the meek shall inherit the earth. People think weak means weak. Meek is strength no, no, under no, control. No, no, no. Strength under control. We, we don't have either of those. We either don't have the strength well, or we don't like, have the control. I think Jordan Peterson said it, it, it. It's important to be a dangerous man. Most of the time, you mustn't be. You must control it, but you must have the capacity to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Just one last thing on the sandwich. Like I love that so much. One of my favorite Seinfeld quotes, real-life Seinfeld, is he talked about the importance of garbage time. Uh, not, not the people. He says parents talk about quality time. He's like, I, I don't like quality time. I want the garbage time, and like the idea of oh, late funny. at night making a sandwich in the kitchen is such a beautiful imagery. Uh, I, I, I won't be able to shake that one. The reason, Doctor Gork, I asked you if you think about the Roman Empire is because of the speakership going on, and everyone's like, oh, the chaos, the chaos, and we were just musing a moment ago about the year of the six emperors. <laughs> so you're like, that's yes, chaos. Yes. That's chaos. Yeah, can we can we talk about some real chaos, please? I mean, come on, guys. Like going through the 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 normal functioning, voting, 
to find a new speaker that there, there's a guy with a gavel and, and then we're going to have a new speaker. We're going to like, it's fine. Like everything's fine. So um, what, what do we do with this? Do you think this will turn out for the best? Do you think we'll get someone more conservative and to do the right things next? Or is it going to worse? We're going to get a more moderate speaker. It's like, uh, I have real issues. You know, I think Newt Gingrich is one of the greatest Americans alive today. I mean, Mark Levin is a friend of mine. But the idea that they're they're getting apoplectic over, you know, the functioning of the republic, this is the functioning of the republic. Kevin McCarthy agreed to these terms. He uh, agreed to these terms back in January that any individual member of Congress could initiate a a, a move to vacate the chair. And guess what? He lost the vote. That's called representative Republican democracy. And the idea now, can we just stop for a second and look at the news that happened within the first 18 hours? We have a confirmation on my buddy on Bob Francis' show. Uh, uh, that you know, he's interviewing Jim Jordan yesterday. He said, "Yeah, okay, I'm going to put my 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 name into the uh, the hat." And then we have Scalise, who's probably going to run, depending upon whether or not he thinks he's you know his health is up to it. Uh, I love you know the idea of Byron Donalds, but if we just stay with Scalise and Jordan, the idea that you know this time next week we could have Jim Jordan instead of Kevin McCarthy. You're telling me that's chaos? Well, if that's chaos, I want a lot more chaos, please, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, now it could pivot. What are the chances you get, you know, someone who's almost a Democrat up there? I, I don't buy it. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I, look, it's our, it, first thing I tweeted out, it's our party now. The, the, the message of what happened this week is it, it is our party now. If you promise to rein in the budget, to have 12 separate budgets, to rein in uh, the DHS censorship of conservatives, the FBI, DOJ targeting of conservatives, to get a grip on the border and exercise the most powerful, outside of being commander-in-chief, the greatest power in America is the power of the purse, which lies with the House. If you promise to do that back in January and you do none of it, well, guess what? There are going to be consequences. And we showed those eight brave men, Matt Gates and the other seven, showed that there are consequences. The idea that some milk toast, you know, Romney-esque rhino is going to win the vote for speakership, not happening. I guarantee it. And on top of that, this BS that, oh, oh, Kevin was going to go around the, the backs of the, you know, the, 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 the Freedom Party guys and get the Democrats to vote for him. You know what? If that had happened or if anybody does that, you know what I say? Good. If any cretin rhino actually gets elected as speaker because of Democrat votes, then that's great because then we know who they are. Then they've ripped the mask off their face. But it's not going to happen because people know. Look, look at what's happening with President Trump. He's now trouncing Biden in the polls, in Washington Post, ABC polls. It is the America first Republican Party now, and that's who we're going to have in the speaker's chair this time next week. It's going to be somebody who reflects MAGA. You tweeted this clip out uh, yesterday of Kilmeade from Fox and Friends talking to the congressman from Knoxville. Let me just play like 10 seconds of it. Why are you yeah. smarter than Jim Jordan and, and the 210-plus Republicans? Why are you smarter? I represent my district, brother. So it's like 
six minutes of that contentiousness. What, what is what is yeah. Gingrich? And I don't, I don't expect you to you know names here, but like like the Gingrich, the the Levin, like again, like uh, and the like. What what is in their brains that this is like really bad? And McCarthy was so great, you know. I, look, look. Some of them have been advising McCarthy, so for them it's a slight that the guy that they were working for um, ha, ha, has gone, right? So that okay. that access, that prestige of advising the guy. Others, like Newt, I think are just too close to the issue. I mean, they were the speaker, mm-hmm. and they have perhaps um, a disproportionate respect ah. for the Marquis of Queensbury rules <laughs> and doing things as decorum dictates. And and my argument, and I, I, I can, you know, if you've been the speaker, I get it. But my argument is, with twelve thousand illegals crossing the border in one day, Marcus of Queensbury rules were shredded long, long ago. So, so when when the leader of the opposition is facing seven hundred and thirty years in prison, don't talk to me about Marcus of Queensbury rules. The idea that we have to be polite and do things by the book, no, we don't. They 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 shredded the book. Therefore, I'm not interested in being nice and going as per standard protocols for everybody else it they're just machine rhino republicans all the people brian kilmead i'm like my god that was that was worse than anything that jake tapper has ever done or who's that idiot a a bilio jim acosta what he did to that representative who started by saying um i represent my constituents that's the only group i answer to brian and he went on as you said for Six minutes, just, you know, oh, are you smarter than Kevin McCarthy? I mean, what an asshat. I mean, really, this is when we see what Fox and the Rhino establishment are all about. It's about protecting the establishment. And if if we're in power, we've got to be nice to the Democrats. That's mm-hmm. who Brian Kilmeade is. And I'm glad I'm glad everybody if you haven't seen that clip, watch the five minute clip. It's on all my social media platforms. Brian showed the world who the rhinos are and he is one of their spokesmen. Seb Gorka on the Twitter. Uh, are the Democrats laughing and loving this? No, I don't think they are at all. I think they were taken by surprise. Who, who predicted this? I, I was on air when it happened. I, I said I did not see that coming. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I think the Democrats were playing usual hardball. They were going to see you know, a tight vote for Kevin in the first round and then get some more concessions out of him in the second round. Yes. And, and I think they, they are as shocked. I mean, the fact that the acting guy, Mr. Angry Gavel, whatever, what is his name? Uh, he kicked, you know, the, the, within, what, minutes, minutes of Kevin being uh, ousted, they, they, they kicked uh, Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer out of their sinecure uh, offices. It tells you that, you know, nobody was ready for you. You think Nancy Pelosi is happy that she's sitting in, in San Francisco and, and being told you have to be out of your office within 24 hours? Nobody saw this coming. So, no, I think the Democrats are as shocked as Kevin is. Uh, I want to pivot to something you mentioned a second ago about this uh, guy in New York City who was stabbed yeah. by an ATU. So something very interesting happening here because I've, I've seen three of these, and I'm sure there are more where this guy was a an activist and self-described and all of his friends and family are coming out and saying 
oh, he wouldn't have wanted this murderer to be punished or stuff, stuff like that. Uh, and we've shared a couple of stories. There's a, a journalist in Philadelphia who the other day was mocking conservatives for saying there's a lot of crime in Philadelphia. And he was murdered in his house in a home invasion. Um, there was a woman, another a white woman, black eyes, pro black eyes matter whole thing. She was murdered in San Francisco when someone was trying to steal her purse. They had a vigil and someone went to the vigil and on her way got curb stomped by two girls who robbed her from her purse, right? Like put her, put her on the ground and stomped on her face. So it's wild because even then, these people, even after being murdered, their friends and family and colleagues are saying we need to continue the fight for restorative justice and all this stuff. What do we do with that? Yeah. Well, I mean, all we have to say is and recognize it's a cult. I mean, I mean, this is, you know, talking about the Roman Empire. This is how the Roman Empire collapses. When, when you actually divorce yourself utterly from reality and you side with those who want to actually destroy you. I, I, I'm actually going to do a monologue on my TV show on Sunday about one of these cases that is just so enlightening. It's the Josh Kruger case in Philadelphia. Josh Kruger was a gay uh, pro-crime activist who tweeted again and again and again to make fun of those who are pointing out what's happening in Philadelphia. And, you know, one of his, his tweets, his sarcastic tweets is, you know, my, I don't know who, what he thinks. Uh, my block is fine. What, what crime wave? I saw somebody get a parking ticket on my street last week. You mean that crime wave? And then another one where he said, oh, somebody said you're more likely to get shot to death in, in Philadelphia than die of COVID. What happened to him on Monday as Representative Cuellar was being carjacked in D.C. just outside his apartment, the same time that a Democrat was being carjacked in the nation's capital, uh, Joseph Kruger, was shot seven times in his home by a home invader in Philly, the city that he said is absolutely fine and there's no crime wave. So, uh, you know, irony doesn't cover it. And the fact that the left is so manically indoctrinated that the, the, the girlfriend of the left-wing activist who was stabbed to death in New York, allegedly, I saw this yesterday, I need confirmation, refused to identify the attacker because she didn't want him to be caught. Your boyfriend bled out in front of you on the sidewalk, but you're on the side of the victims that's when you realize this is a self-destructive cult. The, these people are literally brainwashed. It's Jonestown on a national scale. Mm. I used to think, oh, just they'll, they'll learn eventually when it comes to them, when they're affected directly, then they'll change their tune. But no, that's not, that's not right. <laughs> that's no, not no, necessarily we, we, true. We, we, we have to focus on the people in the middle who are reachable, who, who, yeah. who are like, hang on, what, what, what's happening in, in the town I love? Well, why have there been 220 murders in Washington, D.C. this year, and it's not even the end of the year? Why have we had 700 carjackings this year in the nation's capital? We, we have to focus on the people who say, hang on, that's not right. But for a large chunk of, of look, how do you vote for Joe Biden? How, 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 do, how do you vote for Hillary Clinton? You can't be a normal, sane person and vote for somebody who's literally senile 
and a woman who you just look at her and you know they're evil. That, that is the first warning. These people are brainwashed, Mike, and we have to work with those who aren't and make sure that that party is politically driven into the ground next year. Are you dancing on the graves of these activists to score cheap political points? Me? <laughs> no, I, 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 I. Yeah, I've heard that I, accusation I'm, that you I'm can't. You're not allowed out, to point I'm out. I'm pointing out mental illness. I'm pointing you're, out mental illness. I mean, but the, the, how, how can any human being side with the person that you loved? I, I presume she loved him, and now he's dead, and you're siding with the person who, who vi- not not just you know, accidentally ran them over, who violently took them away from you with a knife in front of your eyes. And you're siding with that person. That is psychosis. I mean, that is rubber room time. That's when you realize, you know, these are the people who would have been, you know, great in Nazi Germany. And they would have helped make sure that the the, the cars, the, 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 the cattle wagons arrived on time to Auschwitz and Birkenau. These are the mindless drones that make dictatorship possible. These are the people that clap like seals when the putative president stands outside of Liberty Hall, drenched in red light, surrounded by Marines in their dress blues, and says half of the nation are fascists, and they clap at that. These are the people we're dealing with, Mike, and and they are a threat to the republic, and that's why they must be utterly politically destroyed next year. And my question is to everybody listening, what are you doing about it? Well, my, my wife, who, you know, former uh, presidential appointee, former press secretary for Customs and Border Patrol, has a very nice life. Instead of, you know, doing what she wants to do, she is the head of door knocking, of reach out for the Republicans in our part of Virginia. And she's been given 900 doors to knock on. She hates doing it. She hates it. You know what it's like to knock on a stranger's door, uh, you know, on a Saturday morning (laughs) and and ask them who you're voting for? It's not fun. But she realizes the stakes involved. So if my wife, who's rational and has a very nice life, is doing something she doesn't want to do and is unpleasant for the sake of the future of America, I ask every single listener to Breitbart What the hell are you doing to save this nation? I'm worried about your son, Dr. Gorga. Don't be. (laughs) Well, here's the problem. He's 6'6". How is he going to tell his son taller? (laughs) You made him too tall. He's going to have to look for another metric. That's he's gonna have to look, he's, they're going to have to do like a, a hundred yard sprint on their on his on his son's yes, birthday. Yes, faster. We need another superlative. Faster, stronger, uh, smart. Boom. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Now, we've, okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank goodness we're worried about. Uh, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, where can people do everything and take in everything that you put out? Um, I'm everywhere except YouTube because they're a bunch of fascists. So just look for Seb Gorka or Sebastian Gorka, G-O-R-K-A. True social, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Getter. Yeah, my website is sebgorka.com. It has the radio show streaming 24 hours a day. We're on Rumble. And latest piece on the deep state, my experience with the deep state in the White House is on my Substack. That uh, My whole name is one word, sebastiangorka.substack.com. An honor, sir. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Mike. Have a wonderful weekend. 
Busy show tomorrow. Alex Marlowe will be here talking about his new book. Jason Rance has a new book as well about the downfall of Seattle. He's a local Seattle host. He's excellent. And then Laura Logan is here, who's been doing a lot of research on January 6th and, and specifically on individual people whose lives have been destroyed and, and ended because of January 6th. That's all in tomorrow's show. Breitbart News Daily, Sirius XM Patriot. We'll see you there.